You want more than just the headlines? Find out what's going on and what it means with me, Dennis Prager, this morning at 11, right here on AM 560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Amy under the weather, so just Dan, but... uh... It's been an eventful week. It's enough to make you sick, frankly. The theatrics and buffoonery on Capitol Hill. Mostly I'm talking about Democrats with respect to the Kavanaugh hearing. They're paid shriekers in the audience. Uh, A little bit of Alex Jones thrown in. And now, of course, the anonymous op-ed that has uh, everybody scurrying around trying to identify the source. And, And by the way... This all uh, subordinates and crowds out actual interesting stories that are substantive. President Trump, how many people heard this? Saw this story. In uh, latest move to uh, rein in the uh, salaries and permanency of the administrative state, Trump announced he's not granting the usual 2%, 2.1%, in fact, pay hike for federal employees which has uh, Democrats shrieking because that's, of course, their only response to any opposition. Trump's letter notifying Congress yesterday. Specifically, I've determined that for 2019, both across the board pay increases and local pay increases will be set at zero. These alternative the alternative pay plan decisions will not materially affect our ability to attract and retain a well-qualified federal workforce. Well, that's certainly true. You pay 15 percent plus more than their private sector counterparts in most instances, plus the benefits package, plus the insulation from termination. But that's taking on the swamp. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's indicative of a sustained effort. Remember, he signed three executive orders uh, that uh, back in May that sought to provide more of a market test for federal employment, shall we say. In summary, for more on uh, this topic, as well as the competing clown shows on Capitol Hill this week, we're pleased to be joined by Steve Cortez, CNN political commentator, served as the uh, Trump Hispanic Advisory Council boss. Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, Dan, good morning. Happy Friday. Thanks for having me. No problem. And so uh, I guess we have to start with the. hysteria du jour, and that is identifying the anonymous op-ed writer. How how uh, obsessed do you think a Trump should be? How much more air should he give this uh, anonymous op-ed? You know, I, I don't think a whole lot um, from here. I hope he doesn't. But I will say this, too. I think, uh, perversely, it is, I think, to some degree, working in his favor. And, you know, I think so in, in two ways. Number one, I think the fact that the New York Times was willing to publish it, was willing to show, you know, really no standards and put an anonymous op-ed on its pages, which were once, you know, the, the, the really gold standard of journalism in America. Um, the fact that they were willing to do that, I think, just further reveals uh, the hypocrisy of most mainstream media in this country and that anything that is anti-Trump, whether it's relevant, uh, whether it's forthright, whether it's accurate, if it's anti-Trump, it's fit to print uh, in their minds. Um, and so I think that actually works in the president's favor. And then the second thing I think is, you know, I think the president has largely been disregarded, certainly by sophisticated types, whether in media or politics or business, as a bit of a paranoid when he talks about deep state or the swamp. Um, and I think this shows us uh, this anonymous letter uh, that even within his own administration, there are people who believe more in the permanent political class in the administrative state you were just talking about than they do in the agenda of the people. And so uh, and, and it's a bipartisan 
situation. It's a bi-party, bi-party uh, partisan crony establishment system that exists for its own self-aggrandizement to the detriment of the American people and particularly working class American people. So um, I think that it's paradoxically going to work in his favor. It already is. Well, the uh, the combination of the Woodward book and uh, the uh, exchange or the uh, excerpts that were released, the audio of uh, Woodward's exchange with the president on the telephone that was released, uh, suggesting people saying some things that were not very complimentary of the president, Mattis and uh, Kelly. Now they've both denied they said anything of the sort that Woodward reported in his book, apparently. But um, that plus the op-ed, I wonder, you've had some personal interactions with the president. Uh, you have people rallying to, to his defense this week, uh, explaining their personal interactions, which sound productive, like Nikki Haley. What have your personal action, uh, per- personal interactions been like? Yeah, you know, my my talks with the president have been very opposite of, of those that are described by mainstream media. Uh, I find him to be, when the cameras are off, a pretty scholarly and, uh, and honestly, more of a listener than anything else, uh, but a, a really studious leader more than anything. Um, I can see it's obvious to me why he was so successful as an entrepreneur, um, because he really values advice and often disparate and conflicting advice um, and listens more than he talks. Quite frankly. I'm sure that will shock people. But that's really what he's like uh, in private. I also think that the reason look, I'll be the first to acknowledge there's been way too much upheaval on the White House staff, uh, and that is a problem. And it's been a constant irritant to him. It's been a constant distraction. I think part of the reason, though, is he came into office in many ways, our first real third party president. Um, or at least first in a heck of a long time. Um, I mean, of course, he was elected as a Republican, but he fought so much against the Republican establishment that he came into office without this natural cadre you know, of thousands of qualified people ready to take important posts. Uh, this was really an electoral revolt. And because of that, uh, is a much more entrepreneurial approach to the presidency, which has its positives and, and, and negatives. On the positive side, I think what we're seeing going on in this country is amazing. I mean, we got fantastic jobs data out just about, 45 minutes ago today. Unbelievable wage numbers. So things are going great beyond the beltway. But on the negative side, you know, like any startup in business and in the private sector, I think we're seeing, you know, real growing pains and real problems and fits and starts. I think things are continuing to get better, but I'll be the first to admit it's been uh, it's been a tempest at times, that White House staff. I want to uh, get your take on another matter that's uh, that's more significant than politics, and that's faith. I know you're Catholic. Uh, Pope Francis uh, had this to say at a mass this week about the uh, sex abuse scandal that he will not address the uh, Vigano testimony, the 11 page detailed letter that he will not address. This is what he suggested to uh, the faithful. Silencio e preghiera. Silence and prayer, that's what Pope Francis recommended to followers Monday at a daily mass as a response to those who only seek scandal, who seek only division, who seek only destruction even within the family. How do you respond to uh, Pope Francis and, you know, by extension, one of his uh, chief flax, Cardinal Supich? Right. You know, it's, it's really hard to, to take, quite honestly, uh, as somebody who, who loves the church, uh, went to all Catholic school. Um, it's it's nonsense, quite frankly, for him to, to say silence is the answer. Let me even know silence uh, largely got us here to this point of, of incredible scandal for the church and what harm it's doing, not just to the church itself, but to the entire world when you don't have uh, the church operating in the manner in which it should. And, and specifically here in Chicago, Cardinal Supich's comments, I said this on Twitter, I think he needs to resign. I mean, when he said that we have more important matters, you know, that more important than protecting 
innocent children against sexual predators. More important than that are social justice warrior um, agendas, things like uh, talking about climate change uh, and talking about open borders, which is essentially where he is uh, on, on migrant issues. Uh, that is just, it's so insulting that to me, he has really squandered whatever leadership credibility he had. Uh, I'm talking about Cardinal Subich, and I sadly think that might also extend to the Pope. He hasn't been quite as brazen as Cardinal Subich, but in, in my view, we need, in, at least in the American church, a wholesale, I think just about every bishop should resign. I really do. I think it's that systemic, um, it's that corrupt, and even the ones who are, who are good and worthy, which I'm sure is most of them, I think should still be willing to take that that very drastic step to say we have failed as a leadership uh, group and we need to be replaced with with a fresh group um, if the church is to go forward uh, constructively. Sticking uh, locally, uh, you're a Chicago resident uh, who I assume will probably be appealing for asylum at Mar-a-Lago in the wake of the <laughs> with, with, with the prospect of uh, what did Scott Shalady call call the two of them uh, Pritzwinkle. Pritzker and Tony Preckwinkle as your governor and mayor, respectively, comment on those two individuals and those races. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, yeah, I will tell you, unfortunately, look, I love this city. Um, I can't wait to cheer the Bears on Sunday night. You know, I bleed orange and blue uh, for the Chicago Bears. But I have to say that the situation gets worse and worse. Uh, And the the fiscal nightmare that we face, the violent crime epidemic, um, that we face in the city, it, it's hard to be optimistic, and it's even harder when you when you uh, consider that we're going to have uh, probably a governor and mayor that are even worse than the present two that we have, and those are pretty awful. You know, I would argue probably worst big city mayor in America, certainly the worst governor in America, and he's a Republican, you know, at least in name. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to replace them in all likelihood with people who are even worse. So, unfortunately, I think our our history, I mean, excuse me, our future is to become America's Greece. Um, except without the sunshine, uh, without all that amazing food and history, um, but all of the insolvency and all of the political nonsense. And it's, it's sad to think about it really is, but I just think that's the reality. All right. Uh, he is Steve Cortez, CNN political commentator and uh, the head of uh, Trump's Hispanic Advisory Council. Steve, thanks always for joining us. Appreciate it. You bet. Have a great weekend. You too. And he joins us on the turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.